You are listening to Rouge, White, and Blue, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. CFL podcast. My name's Oz Davis. I'll be your co-host for the show. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Joe Pritchard. Joe, how's it going for you this week? It is going about the same as it was last week, which, well, I'm alive, right? <laughs> yeah, we're all in this sort of nether, netherverse nothingness. Uh, joining us also, as frequently is our very special guest. He's the host of the Podski Wee Wee podcast and the intermittent 13th Floor Movie Review podcast, Josh Smith. How you doing, Josh? I'm doing well, guys. I got to be part of the five-timers club or approach you <laughs> too, right? <laughs> the jacket is in the mail. In nice, our, nice. In, in our small world, that's what passes for going viral. I love how our frequent guests are picking up on this now that uh, Rod Gomez started a while back. He's he's still militant about that. we got to get him on the show again for his seventh timer jacket. Uh, in any case, well, here we are in a very surreal period in CFL history and football history and history. Um, the the official website of the league, CFL.ca, seems to me to still be reporting news and player profiles as though it's June, as though the season is still regular. So I guess that I've been I've been looking up these past couple of days the stages of grief. And I, I guess the league is still in the denial stage. And I wanted to check in and ask you guys, where are you at this point on the scale? W- would you like me to go over the scale again? Are you familiar with the levels of grief, stages of grief? I'm familiar, but hit us with okay, it. Okay, here we so go. we're all on the same page. Okay, here's what I got. Basically, it's, it's, it's a tad different than the, than the simple one you usually hear. But step one, denial, of course. Step two, pain and or guilt. Step three is anger, anger and or bargaining, usually and bargaining. Uh, step four, depression. Step five, the upward turn, the light at the end of the tunnel stage. The step six is reconstruction, so assimilating this into your life. And step seven is complete acceptance. So where would you put yourself here, uh, Joe, let's say? Uh, I think I hit six uh, about a month ago when I, when we started the Dice League. But, like, last week on Saturday, I just went down a CFL YouTube hole. Oh, cool. And I was there for most of the day because I started out watching a Bomber game from last year just because it felt right. It was – it's time for that. And then – uh, and then that fit, that finished, and I cut I cut that up uh, across the morning and the afternoon, and then I just kind of went with, oh, there's a top ten that looks fun. There's a top ten that looks fun. About eight o'clock, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> this has been a great and terrible day all at the same time. 
Yeah, I see uh, on Friday that TSN is going to be showing last season's uh, Montreal-Winnipeg game, which naturally they're calling one of the greatest comebacks of all time. Josh, how are you doing on the old uh, acceptance scale? I hit acceptance a long, long time ago, really? actually. Wow. Yeah, wow. I, it, the way I look at it is I can't control what I can't control, and I got no control over this, so I'm just kind of going with the flow. Like, don't get me wrong, I, I miss – like, we should be r- ramping up for week two right now. The Ticats would be 1-0 after knocking off the Bombers <laughs> at Tim Hortons Field last week. Um <laughs> Excellent and, use of the conditional and excellent, <laughs> excellent uh, summation of imaginary alternate universe week one in the CFL 2020. And, and to be fair, he's probably not wrong. No, so. no, probably not. I, I, I mean, you guys won the one that mattered, so we, let, let's let's have this one. Um, and in CFL yeah, Pick'em, I'm at least one in three. <laughs> but, yeah, I just – I miss it, but at the same time, it's – with what's going on in the world right now, we, we I think we all kind of knew a few months back that this was likely. And then when they announced, like, oh, the season's not going to start on time, it was like, of course. And then it was like, oh, well, now we're doing that. Like, there's there's been drips and drabs of information, which is something we can well, we will probably talk about, especially given what came out earlier today. But, yeah, I just – I kind of hit the, well, when it's here, I'll be happy. And until then, I kind of got to – live my life and, and do some other stuff. Not that there's much to do given what's going on in the world right now. Well, gee, I feel kind of bad because I, I, I'm only on the bargaining stage. <laughs> yeah. I'm still going, oh, come on, play this season. And what I'll do is uh, I'll go on a sports diet, right? Only uh, the Lakers and CFL and NFL games that I bet on. That's If, if you come back now, that's all I'll do, right? So I'm I'm still there, but uh, wow, you guys are, you guys are, are are well healthier than I am. Uh, let's talk briefly about what's going on in the world right now. Um, we don't really like to get too political on this show or too sociological on this show, but hey, I mean even even the CFL players are talking about this stuff. I, I got to ask you first, Josh, what does it look like? From the perspective of the quiet neighbor, I mean, how how is Canadian media, how are Canadian folks speaking about, feeling about their noisy, their very noisy and ugly neighbors? Well, uh, it depends on what we're talking about. If we're talking about the pandemic, there's at least from my perspective, there's a lot of concern with what's going on south of the border and kind of the laissez-faire attitude that a lot of people, very important people, unfortunately, have kind of taken to this whole thing. Um, if we're talking about the protests and the rioting, that's a much different story. Uh, I wrote a piece for Three Down about my feelings about that. So anyone listening oh, that wants to wants to go find it, uh, it's called – Dear white people, shut up and listen. So I think you understand where I stand on this issue. But that's oh, exactly my view. That's exactly my viewpoint as well. I've been saying this actually for a couple of years now, even before all this stuff. So so thanks, thanks for saying it. I'll, I'll get to reading it. I'll, I'll... I, I took some heat from from some corners, but wow. to be honest, most of most of the responses have been 
have been very positive and people have understood what I meant by what I said. And it, it's, it's been a, it's been a much more positive experience than I ever sort of anticipated. So with regards to that, it's one of those things when that, when they first sort of erupted after the murder of George Floyd, um, there was a lot of smugness I found from some Canadians thinking like, Oh, look, we're better than them. And then over time we started seeing, uh, Canadians of all, all walks of life, like not just white Canadians or, or black Canadians or native Canadians, pe people from everywhere saying like, well, we, you know, we treat our indigenous people and have for many years rather shoddily and, and we don't have the greatest history of race relations either. We're, we're not just because it's not as bad. And I saw that too. I don't know if you guys watched that CFL. I know you guys don't get TSN down there, but TSN has a CFL 2020 show and they talked with uh, Milt Stiegel and Henry Burris about sort of how they dealt with racism in Canada. And it was kind of coming off the, the, the back of uh, Kahari Jones talking about his time in Winnipeg and the death threats that he was getting from, from some of the troglodytes in Winnipeg, not all of them, just the, you know, the, the stupid ones that of course exist in every city. Hamilton's no different. Um, and, and, the one recurring thing was like, it's better in Canada, but it's still not great. And I feel like a lot of Canadians kind of latch on to the, it's not as bad up here where there's a lot that we can still do to rectify our past and present when it comes to dealing with, with minority people. So, I mean, I, I'm, I see those protests and I, I smile because it's like, it's about damn time, quite frankly. Uh, I just wish it didn't take an, another dead black man to spark these things. I, it's it's just, that's the sad part of this all is that someone had to lose their life for people to finally open their goddamn eyes. But I, at at least we're now sort of getting somewhere. And this this I know we dealt with that. We like how many names are there to list of of young black men that have been killed over the years just in the last five to ten years this does sort of feel like a cultural shift and a moment in time where things are actually going to change, or at least that's how I feel. Or at least that's how I hope. So, I mean, when, it, yeah, like, I, I guess, you know, to make a long story just a little bit longer, it depends on what you're talking about and, and how we feel about what's going on down there. So there's, there's some good, there's some bad. And I mean, we're just up here trying to do our own thing too, trying yeah. to make the world a better place. Actually, I've noticed this as, you know, shit is blowing up all over California. Um, I've noticed this is that folks in Canada, folks in Australia, um, some of my, let's say, expat British friends are really starting to examine their own history. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody can point the finger. As I understand it, this was a popular one way back in the Cold War days on the Soviet Union. They would constantly propagandize about America's poor treatment of their black people. Yep. Um, so, but I see that with this, a lot of folks are looking at their own issues, at least English speaking countries, folks. I can't speak too much to uh, other folks because I don't speak too many other languages that fluently. Joe, what's going on in Wisconsin? Is, is is I mean, is Milwaukee blowing up? Is Madison? Do, do you have protests in Madison? What, what's what's the attitude there? Yep, Milwaukee and Madison have definitely had their share of things. Uh, where I live, uh, I'm in a region right now. Moved back home basically in January, where I grew up to. Um, about hundred thousand people in a 
couple of different villages, cities, what have you, in that make a circle about 90 minutes east of the Twin Cities, and you'll find me somewhere in there. Uh, <laughs> it's been, of course, rather quiet, but of course, in this neck of the woods, uh, it's very, very homogenous as far as uh, our, our racial setup goes. So quiet is about the way it's always going to be when it comes to that. Uh, I did see, though, um, bringing my kid home from, um, or was it, I, I was running an errand. I don't, I don't think this was when I was bringing my boy home this afternoon, but I was running an errand a little bit earlier this afternoon, saw a stop sign where somebody had spray painted on the stop sign underneath the stop being racist. It's like, hmm, that's about as loud of a political statement as I've seen in this past so far <laughs> in the five months I've been back. <laughs> is there controversy about mask stuff, about social distancing stuff up there? Yeah, it's just really you can tell you can tell that people want to forget about the pandemic, that the pandemic ever. Wow. Happened. Wow. See, because down here in California, I mean, Orange County has been somewhat mellow in most cities. But here in California, everybody's being cool about the masks and the quarantines and stuff. But everybody's blowing up about the race issues, so it's a it's a it's a strange mix. There is demonstrations and protests almost every day somewhere in California, and it's wild because everybody's standing six feet apart, or they're doing these car protests, which you can actually finally do in California because there isn't any more traffic on the highways like there used to be. So. <clears throat> In this respect, people are being way cool in California. They're still observing the social distancing and mask-wearing policies. All right, let's get off of the topic of the day, and let's get on to the Canadian football topic. Uh, today, we're recording this on Wednesday, the 18th of June. And this morning, Commissioner Randy Ambrosi released a Another statement on, you know, very touchy-feely. We just wanted to tell you how things are going. Josh told me before the show that he definitely has some takes on this. So I'll go to Josh in just a moment. I just wanted to quote a couple of paragraphs that uh, I – or a couple of sentences. I shouldn't say paragraphs. Don't worry, guys. It won't be that long that I found interesting. All right. In the statement, he says, we have been forced to postpone our season. We continue to assess whether we can still play a shortened season in 2020 against two criteria, whether we can do so safely and whether it is financially viable. Uh, later on in the statement, he went on to say, we look forward to more opportunities to work with the CFLPA on our response to the COVID-19 pandemic, including whether there can be a season in 2020, the short-term and long-term Recovery plan for Canada's league and what we need to have in place together for 2021 and beyond. Okay, so Josh, what's your take? Does this make you more optimistic, less optimistic, or neither? Uh, I don't think I'm any more optimistic. That like, I've always sort of been of the idea that I think that they will play some games. So you know what? Maybe I'm less optimistic because the more that Ambrosi speaks, the less I feel confident in what he's saying is actually true. Hmm. Only, only because I keep seeing people contradict what he's saying. It was a couple of weeks ago when he, I don't remember. I think he was on, I think it, it might've been when he was on TSN. He was on, he, was, he said something somewhere and 
I think he was on the radio. I think he was on TSN radio in, in, in one of the markets. I, w- I want to say it was Edmonton, but I could be wrong. And then immediately following his his sort of interview, the PA came out and said, we don't know what he's talking about. We, we've never spoken to him. Like, they, they, we haven't had any meaningful dialogue with the league in months. And then I see today's uh, sort of, I don't know, I guess update, which, I mean, there's, there's not really a whole heck of a lot in there that we didn't already know. And then I see some players, uh, Adrian Tracy being amongst them, who's just like, I, he's he's lying. Like, this isn't true. And so I don't know. I mean, I've, I've kind of made it known over the last few months that I'm not – I don't really have much faith in this commissioner. Uh, not that I think he's doing a bad job in some areas, but I feel like he's a guy – who has been really big on talking about what he wants to do and very little on actually getting stuff done. Like he came into, he came into power and, and sort of said like had all these grandiose ideas and we haven't really seen any concrete evidence that, that this is, this any of these things are going to actually happen. And then this sort of pandemic hits and, and now we're dealing with something completely new. So I understand that there's obviously this is uncharted waters. Like no one ever would have expected to deal with this, but I just feel like time after time, he's kind of dropping the ball. And and this this sort of update just kind of it it kind of meant nothing to me. Like I got an email. I'm, I'm a Ticket season ticket holder, so I, I I got an email through through them like, oh, here's an update from the commissioner. And I'm I'm kind of reading it and going like, is there anything really here of any substance that like re- like what what did what did we learn from reading that multi paragraph press release that we didn't already know before it came out? You know what I mean? Like. I don't know that there's there's just something about this the way the league is operating right now that that kind of gives me like bad vibes. Hmm. Interesting. All right, Joe, how what did you what were your takeaways from this? Yeah, I can't say it made me feel any more positive either. I mean, I've been on board with the ideas that he's had all along. Like I wanted to see 2.0 get a fair shake and see if it could expand the CFS influence across the world, hopefully bring in some more revenue. Cause that's an issue the league has had for since forever is a limited revenue stream. But I think this is going to kill that idea going forward. I don't think anybody's going to want to invest anything further uh, beyond Canada's borders at this point uh, to try to keep the league chugging along for the next couple of years, if that's even possible. Like I'm at that point right now where I'm starting to wonder, is this the end period in the story? And then you see the players association just going, we're not even involved in all this. And I just got to sit here and go, Oh boy. I'm not liking anything I'm hearing lately. Wow. So, Joe, you're at the is this the end point because I'm coming to grips with this. I've I've been researching sports history for my other podcast, Truly the Goats, way too much. And you just – I mean, sports die. Leagues die. Um, This has happened through history. Josh, where are you on this question? How do you see the future of the CFL? You you think there's going to be games played this year, so there will be a great cup this year. So does that mean we get a season in 2021? I'm I'm less optimistic now of a season happening this year, but I will say as a Canadian, I, I don't think the CFL dies. I think if when push comes to shove, the federal government will step up with money to help keep the league alive because – and, and this is this is this is not a shot at either of you guys because you guys aren't Canadian. Canada does a really good job of trying to keep its Canadian institutions alive. 
Um, anecdotally speaking, my mom works for the Hamilton Art Gallery, which is not a very big art gallery. They have been closed during the pandemic. Uh, they've laid people off. They're they're not making they're they're a nonprofit, so they don't make revenue anyway. But they're not making any money, and they're still they still have employees. There's no way something like that will go belly up simply because Canadians and the government itself believes in sort of the arts and sports as being an important, an important part of our culture. So with something like the, the CFL being aside from the, the newly formed soccer league, which, and, and I, and I, there's also a, a new basketball league in Canada. I, I just don't see these things. I don't, I don't see the government letting something as large as the CFL that's been around in, in one form or another for over a century. I, I just don't think that they're going to let it die. It might not be, it might be some, some rough waters for the, the next couple of years as they kind of build themselves back up. But I truly, truly don't believe that we've seen the last of the CFL. I think even if there's no season this year and, and there, there's some belt tightening and cost cutting and maybe it's it gets a little tougher for the next little while for the league to operate, I still think we're going to see a league simply because of what I know about Canada as a country. I, I just can't see... I, when push comes to shove, the government letting the league die. So what, you're saying that in some cases in Canada, that community is as important or even more important than capitalism? Crazy, right? That's fucking un-American, Josh. <laughs> well, we're not American. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So that's an interesting point, but okay. What about this then? Can you imagine the possibility of a league restructuring specifically? Can you imagine a league without Toronto Argonauts? No, no, there's no like. There's... So you think even the weak sisters of the league yeah. would get propped up? They like they wouldn't move Toronto to Halifax or something no. like that. The huh. without okay. and and this this is the thing that I think a lot of people, even Canadians. You hear it a lot, especially from people out west, especially and really from people in the rectangle out in Saskatchewan, who's like, oh, the Argos lose money, just send them to Saskatoon. And they don't realize that Toronto is the media capital of this country. Losing a team in Toronto would be like losing a team in New York. There's just there's no way any pro sports team wouldn't have at least one team in the New York market. I know. You know, we didn't have a football team in L.A. for a generation, yes. bro. And I was just going to say that. I know that – but that was the NFL. And the NFL at that point had – they were big enough where they could have sustained that. Without Toronto in the CFL, you lose all the cachet of being a – you don't have yeah. a team in the biggest city in the country. Yeah. No one no one cares. Yeah. And and that might be hard for some people to, to swallow, but that's just the truth. You don't have that $5 million plus – population even if only a handful of them tune in having a team in toronto means so much for the national profile of the league we already know that there's a there's a sports network in canada that, that really doesn't give a gosh darn about the cfl you lose the argos and where tsn's not backing up hundreds of millions of dollars to buy a television contract when their when their biggest market or their most profitable market is a million people in saskatchewan like that's i know that the riders and people out there are very proud of their team and, and they might consider themselves the economic backbone of the league. And, and in a lot of ways, that might be true. But if this was a league of just teams playing out, out west or, or just in smaller markets, th there would be no national profile. And I say that not just because that just feels right, 
I just mentioned there's a Canadian professional soccer league and a Canadian professional basketball league, neither of which have teams in like, okay, the soccer league has a team in York, which is on the outskirts of Toronto, but you don't see those leagues covered on TSN or on Sportsnet. A handful of games were on CBC. Uh, the championship games in basketball were on were on CBC. But there's no major and, – and they're new, so that also might play into it. But there's no major sort of profile for these leagues other than like the small handful of fans that go to games, myself being among them. I'm a season ticket holder for the, the soccer team here. Uh, there, There's no – you don't you don't turn on TSN. Hamilton won the championship uh, last November, and nary a peep was on TSN about oh the CPL had their championship league and uh, the the Regina Rattlers won the the CEBL basketball championship and there was no pe- like you know what I mean it, and it, and I think if there was a team in Toronto, there would be a it'd be a much bigger profile and people might take it a lot more seriously. Not that those leagues need a Toronto, like they're not in it to be sort of like major leagues. They're they're developmental leagues, and that's kind of their point. The CFL without Toronto, without Vancouver, I just don't. Uh, Toronto especially, I, I think you could survive without Vancouver. I think you could survive without Montreal. I think you survive without any of the other any of the other eight places, quite frankly. But with no Toronto, I I've, I've for for a long time thought that there that. You're 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 fooling yourself if you think that the CFL can survive without a team in Toronto. Huh. Wild. Okay. Let me ask you this. Seriously, do folks in Saskatchewan literally think they could plant a team in Saskatoon and it could be competitive? Some do. Wow. I, I mean, they they just they, they 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 think everything in Saskatchewan smells like you know roses. They they're. they're... <laughs> There, there are, but there are people there with blinders on, and I'm not trying to take shots at them. But there are people who think like, let's move, move this here. And like, I'm, I, the people I've met from Saskatchewan are very nice people. Uh, I joke and attest to the people that we both met at Grey Cups from from there. They're they're wonderful people. But it's a province of just over a million people, and like, just that that's that's twice the population of Hamilton, and Hamilton's considered in Ontario a quote unquote smaller city. You know what I mean, like. A million people. You you live in Southern California. A million people's what? A neighborhood? <laughs> well, yeah, that would be a minority in Los Angeles County. Exactly. Like we 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 always we always think of of oh all these proud Saskatchewans and and their rider pride and it's like yeah okay they they might all cheer for the riders but that might that might still be fewer people than than cheer for the Argos even if they don't show up and buy tickets. Interesting point. Okay. Let me ask you this one, Josh. Uh, I'm going to go to Joe in just a minute because I already know what Joe's been up to. But uh, how are you? How are you filling the space, the void left by no CFL? Uh, well, last weekend I, they do those uh, TSNs doing those CFL encores, and last weekend was the first time I actually watched one. It was the 2013 East Final between the uh, Ty Cats and the Alouettes that w- that took place in Guelph. So I watched that, and I spent three hours kind of tweeting about that and watching that. I was at nice. the game, so this was the first time I ever oh, cool. saw it saw wow. it on television. And it was it wasn't the greatest game. It ended like thirteen ten, I think, or or no, it was nineteen thirteen in overtime. So it wasn't like a high scoring game or anything, but it was fun kind of walk going back and watching a game from seven years ago and remembering certain things about it. Like I know the Owls the Owls take the lead late and then I'm like, oh this is the drive that Burris really really puts together a good one and throws a touchdown pass to CG Abel. And I remember CG I think he slipped on the play and I, you see it again and it's like, oh my god, I remember this like it was yesterday and it yeah. was seven years ago. Um outside of that, honestly, I'm I'm just kinda I'm where I work, I'm considered an essential worker. So I've my work life has been the exact same since yeah. it started. Um 
Yeah, I'm watching a lot of old TV shows. I just ran through Parks and Rec for a billionth time. Now I'm watching <laughs> The Good Place again. Like, I'm just kind of looking for like comfort entertainment to kind of get me through what's going on now. The NBA is going to start up in, in a month and a half, so that'll be nice. Even if it's yep. in Disney with no fans, it's still something to watch. Uh, Father's Day is this weekend. I'm going to see my dad. We're going to watch some some English soccer because that's what he wants to do. Yeah, I'm just kind of you know keeping myself busy and really just finding stuff to make me feel like the world's not such a crappy place. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, so lots of people are out there working to improve it right now. Okay. So Joe, uh, you talked about your rabbit hole. We also know from last week's podcast that uh, you are the commissioner and, and, and owner coach of the three and O first place defending champion, 2019 blue bombers. Um, what can you tell us about the league in week three? Uh, so week three is almost done. We got one game at halftime. The other two are done. And I believe the other game is finishing either tonight or tomorrow night. And week four starts sometime this weekend. Um, I know I'm going to be playing at least the first half of my game on Friday night, which seems to have been the uh, way it's been going. So my Friday night football fix will be in place. Uh that's the weekend's going to be a little bit more desolate, though, unfortunately. <laughs> but uh, it's been a it's been a fun ride so far. Everybody's seeming to like what they're liking what they're doing. Uh, I got to um, stretch my muscles a little bit trying to remember how to, how a rule went last night uh, with the with the game that was going on. They asked me about a way to apply something, and I had to go dig in the book and go try to remember how that all applied. And then I reached out to the uh, guy that made the game and said, Hey, did I tell him that this was, did I tell him to do this the right way? And he said, yeah, you got it. It's like, okay. Oh, you gotta, you gotta give us more than that. What's the, what's the scenario? Can you give us the specific like play or incident or whatever? Yeah. So, I'm enthralled right now. I need to know what happened. Yeah. <laughs> so, the game, so the game is based off of a, so the, Dice game is based off of the American dice game he made. He just made modifications to make it Canadian. So missed field goal returns were added. Uh, and in this case, we had a missed field goal return come up where they went to a – you have a regular return chart that tells you base, it bases the number off of the guy's average and then it's plus or minus whatever. But then if you roll a high enough number, you go to this long return chart. Well, there's a kickoff one and a punt one but there is no long return chart for missed field goals. They go on the kickoff chart. So that was what I was trying to suss out, remember how, how it all went. And I probably spent 10 minutes digging through the manual, looking through the flipping through the book going, Hmm, I seem to remember this was the kickoff chart, but I want to be sure. Couldn't be really sure last night, but went, yeah, the kickoff return or the missed field goal return averages are close to kickoff at, kickoff return averages so i'll tell them that chart and if i'm wrong i'm wrong <laughs> this is some good commissionering i yes. gotta say joe and let me ask you this too i mean, i don't mean to rain on your parade or anything but i bet that the outcome of the play was ultimately like nothing right? uh it was it was it would have been a 10 yard difference so uh i think it may have ended up i'd have to go check they sent me the play by play for the first half uh, but it might have helped propel them. The kick, the kick, or the missed field return may have propelled Sacramento to some additional points uh, on their drive. But I think it was a field goal anyway, so I don't think it would have uh, been the end of the world if I had missed that one. I, 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 I'm 
interested to note here that the 1981 Eskimos traveled forward 22 years into the future to beat the uh, 2003 Edmonton Eskimos in the 21st century. So good win for Warren Moon's boys there in Edmonton, who are now in second place at two and one. And I guess they're ahead in the tiebreaker too, right? Yep. And they get the 2019 Bombers this week in a battle for first place. That's a good one. All right. (laughs) All right. Wow. It's a very interesting league. So you can check that out at coldsnap.cfl-network.ca if you're interested. It's a very minimalistic site, but hey, there's some really good write-ups. Once in a while, I throw a predictions piece on there. Some excellent game reports. So really interesting stuff if you're into if you're into goat stuff, if you're into simulated sports stuff, if you're into CFL history of any sort. It's a fun league to follow. Uh, I'm glad you guys are having fun doing it. All right, well, I got to get out of here. How do you want to close this out, Josh? You got you got anything positive to say about this crummy world that we live in? I think things are getting better. If, <laughs> if we're going to go positive, I think things are going to get better. All right. And you assure us that the CFL will survive. So this is awesome, Josh. Thanks very much for, for coming on. It's always a pleasure, guys. You know, anytime you need me, just uh, throw up the bat symbol and I'll be there. Simple. All right. The Potsky Wee Wee Simple. Indeed. All right. Okay, Joe, what do you got for us? Take us out. <laughs> uh, that's pretty much it. Friday Night Football for me this week. I wish I could share it with everybody because that'd be a hell of a game to, to have everybody watch. But uh, unfortunately, you're going to have to just catch up on the game reports if you're interested later on. Um, Father's Day this weekend. Say hi to your fathers. Uh, make sure you give them a call. Make sure you say hi. Make sure you go barbecue a little bit with them. And uh, that's all I've got. There you go. Happy Father's Day to all fathers out there from the Roos, White, and Blue CFL podcast. Signing off for this week, I'm Moss Davis for my co-host Joe Pritchard and our oftentime guest Josh Smith. We're out of here. Talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs>